Make the most out of your daily commute or next road trip in a new Audi from Audi Atlanta. And what better way to do it than behind the wheel of a stylish Audi A5 Sportback? Hey, it's Finn, along with my friends at Audi Atlanta, here to introduce this city to the Audi A5 Sportback. With a versatile and athletic design, the beauty lies within, combining the sleekness of a coupe with the practicality of a four-door hatchback. And right now, you can lease the Audi A5 Sportback for $537 per month. Find yours at AudiAtlanta.com. And use the Jim Ellis Expressway to start or complete your entire purchase online or shop in person on Petrie Boulevard just inside the perimeter. Experience the thrill of driving like never before at Audi Atlanta. Offer applies to a 36-month lease, 2024 Audi A5 Sportback 40, 537 per month, 10,000 miles per year with 4731 due at signing. Example stock number A25954 MSRP 49,905 excludes tax, tag, and title fees. Offer expires 531.24 with approved credit. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a catch. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline, pylon, touchdown, and the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine, yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame, waiting for your next mistake. I put in work and watch my status escalate. Welcome into the Punt and Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined as always by my co-host, Aaron Murray. Aaron, it's week four of the college football season. Things are finally getting rolling pretty good slate of games this week that we will touch on later on in the show. We're also going to give everyone the Ray Guy Award punter of the week and of course the Davey O'Brien Award quarterback of the week. Find us on social media. We are at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. Aaron is at Aaron Murray 11 and I am at Drew Butler 13. If you listen to us on Monday, we recapped what happened in week 3. We kind of gave you a little bit of a preview as to what to expect on today's episode, but Aaron, the first thing I want to talk about, man, is is some newsworthy stuff, okay? And if you watch ESPN, if you watch CBS, if you read anything online, you see that fan bases are already becoming uneasy in some specific situations, most notably with some newer head coaches. Is anybody on the hot seat already in college football? You got Willie Taggart just completely blowing it in Tallahassee at Florida State. Scott Frost came in with a lot of hype from Central Florida at his alma mater, Nebraska. And Chip Kelly at UCLA, I mean, oh my goodness. Not a good start for a couple of really good college football brands with first-year head coaches. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a tough start. And you can even go, I know Florida and Tennessee right now in the SEC, their, their schedule's got about to get ramped up right now. So those, those new coaches as well uh, are going to be tested kind of in the middle of the season. So we'll see how they fare. But right now I want to focus more on Willie Taggart. Uh, I think Frost, when he named Martinez a starting quarterback, had a couple transfers and now Martinez got hurt. You have a walk on freshman as your starting quarterback. That's tough. That's tough when you're, everyone's learning a new system, the offensive line, uh, the quarterbacks, the running backs, everyone. And now you have a walk on quarterback as your QB one it's going to make for a very tough sledding for an offense. So I'll give him a little bit more leeway, but Willie Taggart FSU, 
a team if you we listen, all know. If you listen to the podcast, I specifically said before the season, this <laughs> is a head-scratching hire, and I just don't understand it. Continue. Sorry. No. Hey, listen, it, it, it's, it's, it's been tough to watch this offense. We expected, I think everyone was expecting, Willie Tiger's going to come in here, this spreads you out, high-tempo, high-energy offense. And I don't know if the players aren't grasping the offense, the playbook, if it's the play calling, I, I don't know, but they, they look slow. They don't look like they know what they're doing. It's, it's a very simple game plan and, and we're seeing it. I mean, three points for versus Virginia tech and then only seven points for Syracuse. And those are good football teams. Virginia tech's good defense. Syracuse is playing extremely well right now, offensively and defensively, but that, that's still no excuse. You have a ton of talent. You have cam acres at your running back position, a kid who had a phenomenal freshman year. No, there's no question, Aaron. Um, it, it's crazy what's going on with Willie Taggart right now. And as you mentioned many times before, the cupboard is not bare at Florida state. They have the talent and he is a offensive minded head coach. And it's just not working out in Tallahassee. And for a powerhouse program, historically like the Seminoles, Look, that's not going to fly for much longer, so he's got to get it going. Hopefully the alumni and the boosters and the fan base rally around him. That would certainly make the most sense. Speak about Chip Kelly, though. A lot going on in L.A. I mean, you mentioned it uh, on our other show, Campus Lore Live. The quarterback's dad takes to social media and fires off on Chip Kelly saying that he isn't taking any responsibility for horrible play calling. He's putting his son in terrible position that's not going to help anybody at all. No. And, and as a father, you, you got to stay out of the news and let the coaches coach. I hate that, especially when it's a quarterback. I mean, you, you a young freshman quarterback is getting a start right now for UCLA and, and the coach, obviously things aren't going well. You're expecting Chip Kelly, uh, a f- high power offense when he was at Oregon. Then when Philadelphia, same thing for a while, you're expecting the same thing immediately day one. It takes time. It takes time to get things going, especially with this type of offense. This isn't your traditional offense, uh, pro style. This is this a lot of things that have to go right in an RPO, spread you out type of type of system. It's gonna it's gonna take time, and and right now, it's it's the hard part. People don't want to give coaches time to develop, time to get the right players in the system, and time to get these kids to grow and feel comfortable with the full playbook. I mean, I'm sure right now the full playbook is not completely in there. So as a coach, you're, you're, you're handcuffed. You can't call what you want to call. You can't feel very comfortable. You have to kind of baby the game plan and you should see more and more throughout the season. The playbook will grow. The players will grow. They'll be executing at a higher level, but going back to the father, uh, you, you just have to stay out of it. You have to let the coaches coach the players play. I know you take pride because it's your son, but you're doing him no favors. You're doing the team no favors. And I'm sure he's going to be getting heckled in the locker room uh, by yeah. his teammates. I mean, think about it, not only by his own teammates, but on the other side of the ball. I mean, I, I forget who UCLA plays this weekend, but if he gets sacked, if I'm a defensive lineman or a linebacker, first thing I'm saying is call daddy because a uh, head coach just made another terrible play call, right? This is not helping anyone at all. And parents, get off social media. I mean, what are you doing? Way out of your realm, especially firing off tweets, blaming your own son's head coach. Again, that's not going to help your son. First off, it's not going to help your son. Second off, the head coach doesn't give a rip about what you have to say. 
it is a horrible look. And I feel bad for the kid because the dad is just clueless in this situation. Yeah, it's 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 the whole situation sad. So hopefully they can get a win, though. They just need sometimes you <laughs> just need one win. Just get one win, celebrate, have fun, feel the, the, the juice start flowing in the veins. That's what they need. FSU, they have a win, but they need a big win against a fellow ACC opponent. That, that's sometimes all it takes. You know what I know. It's just like within a game. Sometimes all you need is one first down. They're just no going to get one first down, then a second one's going to happen, then a third one's going to happen, and all of a sudden you're rolling right down the field. It happens with wins and losses too. You just got to gain the confidence to know that you can go out there and do it. And, and right now, I don't know if either team has that confidence. No, certainly not. Both struggling, Florida State and UCLA, offensively. And if you struggle offensively, Aaron, it gives a certain position a chance to shine. And, of course, that would be your punter, right? If you can't make first downs, you got to be able to flip the field on fourth downs. And funny enough, for UCLA, I would happen to say lucky enough, I have right here the Ray Guy Award, punter of the week for week three, and it's none other than Stefan Flintoft from UCLA, Aaron. He had six punts last week for a 48-and-a-half-yard average. Get this, a long of 70 yards, two punts over 50, two punts inside the 20. I believe only one was returned for negative two yards. So Stefan Flintoft, net average over 48-and-a-half yards, gross average, 48 and a half yards, long of 70, two over 50, two inside the 20. Congratulations, Mr. Flintoff. You are Ray Guy Award, punter of the week for week three. Keep doing your thing if the offense cannot convert on third down. On the flip side, I believe, Aaron, you may have somebody who's not struggling offensively as the Davey O'Brien quarterback of the week. Yeah, Texas Tech, they never struggle offensively. It's a fun, fun offense to watch. Alan Bowman quarterback for them 43 of 59 it's about 73 percent completion you know for 605 605 <laughs> what was the highest lot. you ever threw for that is not even close to that that's for sure i think i may have i don't know if Did i you get over 500 400 or not really maybe i don't know but 600 not even close i ain't sniffing i ain't sniffing anything with a five in it so 605 is uh, uh it raises my attention so good for him and then throw it on top of that five tutties Texas Tech takes down Houston 63 to 49. I I, I guess the thing is we never had a lot of high scoring games like that. I mean, we never had a 63 to 49 game where I'm having to throw the ball 50, 60 times in a game. So, you know, I mean, if you threw it 60 times, your arm would probably fall off. You're not that strong of a guy, right? Come on now. I got got (laughs) plenty of. I got plenty left in the tank. I don't know what you're talking about over there. Absolutely. But Mr. listen, if Bowman. I threw the ball, if Bobo let me throw the ball 60 times a game, I'd have some hardware in this house right now. There's no doubt about that. Shout out coach Bobo. Air it out. Let Aaron air it out. And then he would be maybe a Heisman trophy winner Jeez. or something like that. But you certainly would have gotten some more Davey O'Brien award quarterback of the week awards. Congratulations, Alan Bowman, Texas tech quarterback. You are Davey O'Brien quarterback of the week for week three turning our attention to week four Aaron let's get into these games real quick get everybody primed for the weekend before we pick these games I just have to say one thing 
I you, am you don't you don't have to say this. I do have to she say this. No, you don't have I to say this. I am nine and four it. against the spread. Get on the bandwagon. I am rolling right now. I'm nine and four don't against the cocky, spread. Don't get cocky, Drew. Oh, don't I'm, get cocky. You're getting a little cocky. If right you now. know me, I, I thrive off being cocky and confident. But on the flip side, you're four and nine. So flip the script. I, Aaron's four and nine against the spread. You need a big week. I'm nine and four. Let's jump into it. Right now, arguably game of the week. I have my doubts. Will be at three thirty p.m. SEC on CBS. This is number twenty-two, Texas A&M. The Aggies are traveling to Tuscaloosa to take on the vaunted number one ranked team in the nation. That's of course the Alabama Crimson Tide. Aaron, Alabama is laying almost four touchdowns against a top twenty-five team at home. They're a twenty-seven point favorite. The over/under is 61 points. And here's my initial question. Can Texas A&M make this a four-quarter game just like they did against Clemson? Yeah, I can't. This is, this is mind-blowing to me that we have two top 25 teams and the spread is 26. It's I mean, insane. That's that, that literally, I can't fathom that right now. I'm just literally staring at this and I'm like, this has to be a joke. Like, you don't see this. I mean, this shouldn't happen where it's a 26-point spread when it's the number one team in the country and the number 22 team in the country and the number 22 team almost beat the number, what three or four team Clemson two weeks before. I mean, Vegas has that much confidence in Alabama, which is just, wow, 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 wow. And why wouldn't they after three games? Why would, yeah, I I mean, I I don't blame them for it at all, especially this game being at home. Um, So what was your question again? I I still couldn't get over this 26 point spread. Yeah. The question is, (laughs) Can they make it a four-quarter game? I had my doubts when they had Clemson come into College Station, but they almost beat the Clemson Tigers. Now the number one, number three team in the nation. I, I just I, have, uh, I I don't know if they can even get Tua to play into the fourth quarter. Nah, uh, that's good. I, we talked about this before. I think that would be the better spread is is or the better bet is you know does Tua get it play in the fourth quarter for the first time? Does Tua play an entire football game? For He's yet to time. ever play four quarters. In a college football game, that would be interesting to see if this is going to be the first week. I don't know. I mean, obviously, the, the A&M-Clemson game that was at A&M, those fans, 101,000 loud screaming. It's a night game. It's early in the season. You're healthy. Uh, a lot of excitement. I think Alabama is definitely a better football team than Clemson as well. And then you, you turn it. It's at Alabama, and that's going to be a rowdy crowd. It's 3.30. They know what's happened previously in this in this game when Johnny Menzel was there, uh, I think they're going to bring the heat from a fan perspective. It's going to be loud. It's going to be tough. And if, if Ole Miss made it a better game last week, then I would have a little bit more confidence right now. But the fact that Alabama shut down Ole Miss on the road, uh, and I think that's a better offense overall, more weapons on the Ole Miss offense compared to this A&M offense. I think Alabama proved to us that the question marks were at the cornerback and safety position that there's no more question marks. Those guys are lockdown corners, safeties, uh, and then the front sevens, the front seven, like always for Alabama. So I, I don't think this is going to be a fourth quarter game. Let's just keep in mind, Jimbo Fisher used to coach for Nick Saban. So he falls into the Nick Saban versus his former assistant statistic. Obviously, Alabama beat Georgia in the national championship last year to take Nick Saban to 12-0 and against his former assistants, and he outscored those opponents 453-100. to 
and 35. So it's not looking good for Texas A&M. And I would imagine Vegas has taken that into account. I just don't see how Kellen Munn can attack the Alabama defense, right? It seemed like when A&M was charging against Clemson, there were a bunch of coverage breakdowns. He was making long throws for chunk yardage down the field to wide-open receivers. I would have to guarantee you that that does not happen against Alabama. No, it's not going to happen. It's just Clemson, do they, they have some questions, too, with the, uh, the defensive backfield, and they were exposed in that game. I don't think Alabama, I think Alabama's on a different level. And then offensively, I think this, we talk all the time, just how balanced this offense is with Tua, with those receivers, running backs, and offensive line. Until someone makes it competitive, I just, I can't go against Alabama. I can't go against the spread. I mean, I'm taking Alabama, and and I'll take the points too. It just, they've proven it. Don't doubt us because we're going to, we're not going to win, but we're just going to absolutely embarrass football teams. So I'll keep going with it. I I say stick with it, ride with it. And until you're proven wrong. Yeah, Ryder till she bucks. And I'll lay the points here as well, Aaron. Alabama covers 27. I mean, the over-under is at 61. I, I would say that they probably put up in the 40s, and I highly doubt that A&M scores more than 20, 24 on them. So I'll go under 61, but my pick is Alabama minus 27. They will cover. Keep this in mind. And I gave you this statistic the other day, Aaron. Tua Tungavailoa. On third downs only, 12 of 12, 298 yards, and six touchdowns. You couldn't do that on air in practice. That is unbelievable, and he has yet to play into an entire game, not even in the fourth quarter yet this season. So very fun watching this team, of course, and I think only two drives that have been led by Tua Tungavailoa have ended in punts. So Alabama's got it going on. Why pick against them? All right, the next game, probably the second-best game of the weekend, number 7 Stanford traveling to number 20 Oregon in Eugene, Autzen Stadium at 8 p.m. on ABC. Stanford's a road favorite here, only giving two points. The over-under is 57, and Bryce Love is back in action for the Cardinal on the road. Give me your quick thoughts on this game, Aaron, because I think you may be riding with the Ducks. Yeah, I'm going to ride with the Ducks here. This is probably one of the most hostile environments of a night game. And I just like Justin Herbert, the quarterback for Oregon. He's a big, tall, accurate. He's thrown 12 touchdowns this year. I really like him. It is a huge plus having Bryce Love back. Uh, This will be be a fun game. For me, I think this is – Probably the best game to watch for the entire week. Uh, can Oregon's defense, can that front seven find a way to stop Stanford? It's funny because Stanford will do what Stanford does. They're going to line up with two tight end sets, three tight end sets, and they're going to say, we're just going to physically beat you up front. We're going to wear you down. We're going to stay committed to the run no matter what. It just never changes. Um, but offensively, they just really haven't been anything extremely exciting this year. Uh, for Stanford. So I think this game could be pretty close. Uh, and I just think the firepower with Oregon right now, uh, they can just, they have the ability to score, 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 you score at home. I like, I like Oregon. I like Oregon with the upset. You mentioned Stanford's brand of football. Do they have any ability to kind of break a game wide open by just beating somebody down and making them quit through two quarters? Or is it more of a four quarter game plan for them? It's always a four quarter game plan. It's, it's, it's Alabama's old style of play before they figured out, you know, the spread offense and what a great quarterback and receivers can do offensively. For sure. It's, by the time we saw it, we've seen it over and over again with, with teams like Stanford and Alabama. It's we are going to impose our will 
first quarter, second quarter, third quarter. And then by the fourth quarter, you've won the trenches. The defensive line's exhausted. The linebackers are exhausted. That's when you start gaining push. That's when a five-yard gain that you saw in quarter one turns into a 15-yard gain, turns into a 30-yard gain, which turns into a long run for a touchdown. Guys are just – they're just beat. They're beat mentally. They're beat physically. That's what Stanford does. And, and plus those quarterbacks, and, and we've talked about it previously um, – with Hooper tight end for, for, for the, the Falcons. Yeah. These quarterbacks have three plays when they get to the line of scrimmage. Do you think, they that's, know every, do you think that's every play call though? Every time they're in the yeah, huddle, I think they're it's giving a decent out three amount plays. Because I, w- I was with Kevin Hogan for a little bit, old Stanford quarterback. And he told me the same thing. It's not every play, but there's a good amount where these kids are, I mean, sorry, they're, they're just smarter. Yeah, I mean, they go they to Stanford to for a reason. Yeah, they, they have to be, they can, ha- they know they're not as physically gifted but they're going to be able to mentally put themselves in the right position each and every play, and that can go a long way when you're playing against some base defenses. I like K.J. Costello, Stanford's quarterback. I think he is a winner. He has that kind of innate ability just to finish games and be able to perform his best when it matters most. And I just don't see Mario Cristobal, the new head coach at Oregon, getting this hallmark victory against David Shaw and Stanford. I think that four-quarter game plan is going to wear down the Ducks. And I'll lay the two points here, Aaron. You're going to take the two, a home underdog in Oregon, which I usually ride with. But I'm going Stanford here. I like Bryce Love. I like K.J. Costello. These are fun games to watch, and I will go with the Stanford Cardinal. That will definitely be a good game to keep tabs on late on Saturday. All right, next game we want to talk about, number two, Georgia Bulldogs traveling to Columbia, Missouri. This game's at 12 p.m. on ESPN. Georgia's a two-touchdown favorite. The over-under set at 64.5. Keep in mind, everybody's obsessed with Drew Locke. They, people think Missouri's offense is some high-powered juggernaut. I have my doubts because a certain Derek Dooley is now the offensive coordinator. Tell me one thing, Aaron. A lot of people are going to say this is a Jake Fromm versus Drew Locke football game. I beg to differ. This is a Kirby Smart and Mel Tucker versus Derek Dooley football game, and I would ride with Kirby and Mel 11 times out of 10 against Derek Dooley. No chance this game's even close. Missouri will not be able to attack UJ's defense consistently. Dogs might win by 40. They might win by 40. What are your thoughts? I agree. It's just the only thing that scares me is an 11 o'clock kickoff in yeah. the morning yeah. for them. That's, I mean, that, that's a little different. I, they're still going to win the game, but I mean, is it going to be a slow start? Are they going to need a little bit of time to wake up? Georgia has both yet offices to start slow. I mean, keep that. In mind yeah, too. this is true. They really have it. But listen, Missouri. You think of Missouri, you think always a high power offense, and, and then obviously no defense. I mean, Purdue. Purdue's quarterback threw for over 400 yards last and week. Purdue's I mean, winless. It, and Purdue's 0 and three. I like the dogs. I'm the same thing. I think dogs are going to come out and they're just going to ram it right down Missouri's throat. And that's when you start to press offensively. When all of a sudden, you know, you're used to winning these games early on and you're used to throwing the ball downfield, throwing bombs. If you start losing and then you start losing the time of possession, you start freaking out. It's like when you play Georgia tech or these triple option teams, you know, you're not going to get as many possessions as you don't normally do. For the sure. time of possessions cut down. Your possessions are cut down. You're like, man, I got to make the most of this. We got to score a lot. We got to square possession. And as a quarterback, that's when you start trying to press. You try to start throwing throws you normally don't. I can see Georgia forcing Drew Locke into some tight situations to cause some turnovers throughout this game just based on the way they should perform on the offensive side of the football. And I'm the same way. I'm not 100% sold on Drew Locke yet. He's still 
not the most accurate quarterback. I was hoping their offense would change a little bit this year, more of a pro style offense, more dink and dunks, uh, shorter routes, utilize the middle of the field. It's still a very vertical game plan. It's, it's just take your shot after take your shot to take your shot. I think Georgia, it will be ready for it. They're, they're too talented. And then I got the dogs. Same thing. I think the dogs are going to win this game. It's going to be over that 14 and a half point spread. Yeah. I mean, do not let the fact that Missouri being in a dog fight against a winless Purdue team last week fool you. They're not as good as maybe they have been not as explosive, certainly as they have been in years past. And again, Georgia just has too much speed, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. I get that it may be a slow start, but they've come prepared week in and week out. I just don't see it being any different. Um, and and Georgia's going to take care of this game handily. And I don't. I, I think Drew Locke's a great quarterback. He is, but he just doesn't have enough weapons around him or uh, a game plan that will be able to attack Georgia's defense because there's just too much depth on the other side of the ball for the dogs. So Georgia's big. You and I are both on the dogs minus fourteen. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Let's give you. I'm going to give you three games. And I need three answers. We'll talk a little bit about the first one. I just want two picks on the second two. I'm giving you an opportunity, Aaron. We're picking six games this week. I'm giving you an opportunity. To come to, back. Yes, to come back. To come back. All right, so there the first go. game, two Hallmark brands in the SEC that are in the toilet bowl right now. Florida traveling to Tennessee. This game's at 7 p.m. on ESPN. Florida, a four-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under is 40 Seven. I have no idea what to do here. I don't think Florida is very good. I know Tennessee isn't very good. Both offenses struggle. Both quarterbacks, big-time question marks around them and the offense. I would go under 47 here. And you know what? Give me the points. I'll take the points for Tennessee. I like a home underdog here. I think Jeremy Pruitt against Felipe Franks and Dan Mullen might be a pretty decent matchup. I just don't know what the Volunteers can do offensively. Yeah, but Garantano has actually played pretty well this yeah, season. He played well bad. versus Virginia. I mean, he's playing decent. So I, I, I like his performance over Felipe Frank so far this season. Okay. You know, he's played significantly better, taking care of the football. Felipe had a strong first game, and everyone's like, okay, he's he's turned the corner. And in these past two games, it looks like Felipe brings from the end of last season. So I like I like Tennessee in the points here. At okay. Home, wow. Did yeah, not, it did not this expect kind that. of surprise me, but it's just the way Florida's played offensively these past two weeks is, is, is a lot of question marks on that side of the football. I just think it's going to be, you said, it's going to be a low scoring game. This is not what I envision a Florida Tennessee game being like, which is unfortunate, especially for the East. Uh, who would have thought that we'd be saying Kentucky's better and maybe even Vanderbilt's better than Florida Tennessee, which is kind of shocking to me, but they could be. I mean, v- Kentucky definitely. And then. Vandy could possibly be better than both these teams. I mean, how the East has shifted this season, uh, kind of sad for Tennessee and Florida, but this, uh, this is a big game for both these teams, especially Tennessee. As you look at their schedule going forward, when they have to play Georgia, Alabama, Auburn, South Carolina, they need to win this football game to Definitely. give them a shot to to even have a chance to make a bowl game. No, you're totally right. This could be kind of the the planted flag game for Jeremy Pruitt. And that coaching staff, I think the players will will respond in that sort of fashion. And I'll take the points here. Give me four and a half Tennessee against Florida. So we're expecting the Vols to win or at least cover 
for our sake here on punt and pass. All right, give me two picks here. You just mentioned Vanderbilt may be the second best team in the SEC East. South Carolina is traveling to Vandy, obviously playing the game in Nashville, and South Carolina a road favorite. So Vanderbilt's a two-point home dog. What happens here? Because South Carolina had the week off last week due to Hurricane Florence. I think Drew, uh, excuse me, Jake Bentley and Debo Samuel get it back together and take care of business on the road. Yeah, I agree. I, they're they're too, Debo Samuel's too talented, and then Edwards has been having a heck of a year with already three touchdowns. And I, I like Bentley. I like Bentley a lot. I think Bentley is a top four quarterback in this SEC which is heavy, heavy quarterbacks. And I'm still not hundred percent sold on, on Kyle Shermer. Yes. He's accurate and he's a leader. He's just, he does the lead arm strength. I mean, it just, the ball does not pop out of his arm at all. Uh, and I, I like South Carolina. I think they'll obviously they were in pretty embarrassed by the things went for Georgia. They've had two weeks to go back, watch the film, make the corrections, both offensively and defensively. I think they're going to come out prepared. I think they're going to come out uh, energized, feeling good, feeling healed up after that butt whooping that occurred two weeks ago. I like South Carolina in this game um, to go in there and beat Vandy, you know, seven to ten points. Wow. Well, what fun is this? I'm absolutely uh, agreeing with you on every single game. There's one game here, the last one we're going to pick, which I think could be a really fun game to keep tabs on. Game of the week in the SEC. Game of the week in the SEC. Game of the week in the SEC, as stated by Aaron Murray. Number 14, Mississippi State is going to Lexington to play Kentucky. And get this, Mississippi State is a 10-point favor. So, Aaron, I will let you pick this game first. Game of the week in the SEC. I'm going with Kentucky to cover on this one. Okay, so you take take the home dog. I'm 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 taking the home dog. I mean, going back to what they did versus Florida offensively, and we can talk all we want about Florida is not looking great, but you still are playing in Gainesville. There's still plenty of talent on the defense side of the football. Terry Wilson and Benny Snell. I mean, those guys. I heard you say on SEC radio that Benny Snell is the best running back in the SEC. Come on. He's he's one of the best running backs in the SEC. I mean, have you watched him these past couple of years? I have. The kid is a stud. He's he's been at Kentucky for 17 seasons. I've watched him. Behind a subpar, subpar. This isn't Alabama's offensive line. This isn't Georgia's offensive line. He's going out there just trucking guys, making plays. I like him a lot. I'm a big Benny Snell fan. Maybe he's not the best, but he's he's definitely up there. I mean, he's top three running back in the SEC, especially what he's been able to do so far this season. And I think Terry Wilson is just so dynamic. I mean, if he can cut down the interceptions, which is going to be tough against a very tough he can Mississippi State defense. I like him, though. I like Kentucky in this game at home. Uh, and Fitzgerald still hasn't proven enough to me that he can win games with his arm. So we'll see what they can do. All right, well, for no other reason than wanting to contradict what you're saying, I'm riding with Nick Fitzgerald. It's such a hard name for me to say. Nick Fitzgerald and then 14-ranked Mississippi State Bulldogs on the road. I'll lay the 10 points. Maybe your boy Terry Edwards just turns the ball over a few times. Benny Snell could put it on the ground. But you just said it, and I like what you said. Game of the week in the SEC, number 14 Mississippi State at Kentucky. Aaron takes the home dog, plus 10. I'll lay it. I'll ride with the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Finally, getting into some conference play, Aaron. A couple of really good games outside the conference as well. We got to keep it interesting. And if you love college football, obviously you're listening to the Punt and Pass podcast. Anything on the way out, my man? No, taking off. I got, if anyone wants to tune away from 
ACC game. I do have a great one, NC State versus Marshall. Okay. I think it should be a great one. Finley, a phenomenal quarterback. I've been watching film on him all week. Very talented uh, young man at NC State. So I'm excited to see him uh, and see what he can do against Marshall. Perfect. Check out Aaron on CBS Sports Network, NC State, at Marshall. He will keep you entertained throughout the weekend. Other than that, check us out on social media. Again, we're at Punt and Pass. Aaron Murray's at Aaron Murray 11. I am at Drew Butler 13. And we are the Punt and Pass podcast. Talk to you on Monday. Have a great weekend. See you.